When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. After working all your life and you suddenly stop, what do you do? I suppose I'm a typical example of a retired teacher who didn't retire. People now believe in active retirement, and I think that's so important, especially people who have been very busy teaching classes all their life. Nowadays, I suppose, you make 60, and you expect another good 20 years uh, at least, and, and beyond that possibly. And the chances are, if you're active in your 60s, you will live longer. That's why I see this as an active holiday in a way. Uh, as I say in Irish, and uh, it gets you going and it's something to look forward to. And six weeks out of a, a year is not a great amount of time. It's all about being organised and also telling the folk back home that you're gone on a six weeks cruise or something like that. But uh, it's important to keep yourself alive and to keep the brain ticking over. Joe Griffin is a retired primary school principal. Retirement has led him to a number of different ventures, the latest of which will see him bring a group of retired teachers on a trip of a lifetime. Can I just do a quick head count? Uh, and have you booked tickets at Yes. Having visited the Gambia on the west coast of Africa three years ago, Joe saw a way to help with local education and set up a project called Give. Gambia Ireland Volunteers in Education. It's targeted at retired teachers who have more to give, and that is their time, their expertise, because Irish primary teachers are retiring much younger than in the past. And I felt that a country like Gambia could do with help, and the ex- this expertise being used. They would go for six weeks with a project in mind, and basically they'll be passing on the skills that they have accumulated over the previous 30, 40 years. And at the same time, which turned out later, the environment was very, very pleasant. Uh, weather was excellent at that time of year. And uh, they had camaraderie with a new group of people. It's like a, a second or third coming in their life from that point of view. So much so that, in fact, eight out of the ten who went last year are coming back again this year, plus another seven or eight people to join. Have you all sent back the details to Jimmy? Have you got most of them? No, I've And we need the expiry dates on the visas as well. That's it's December 2011, and the group are gathering to make final preparations for the trip. Nell, Ina and Bonnie have recently retired, having spent over 35 years teaching. 
this will be their first trip to Africa. I've looked at it so often on the internet that I nearly feel I know the kind of place it's going to be, whether or not it's going to work out like that or not. But at any rate, we might be over the hill age-wise, but we we'll still have a bit to give. And I hope that we'll be able to offer something to the schools. Getting the flights booked was an exciting thing, I think, because then I thought, yes, I'm going. So that was a big thing, and uh, that was exciting. Yeah. The other thing is going to the doctor. I'm finding out about all these shots we have to Yes. <laughs> We're in the process. I haven't mind finished yet. And uh, picking up, uh, going to Boots, picking up all the repellents. Yeah. And I must get a mosquito net. Yes. I'm getting there, finding the right size suitcase. <laughs> That'll be major. There's a lot of psychological preparation as well. You're leaving friends and security and family behind and uh, you're t- adopting a new culture and a new way of life and you're meeting a whole bunch of people and working with a whole bunch of people that you don't know from Adam and you're forming a team together and going into the other culture so today there's a little feeling of knots at the base of my stomach and thinking oh god am I going to be up for this am I going to be fit for it um, am I going to be lonely Am I going to feel insecure? Am I going to feel inadequate? Am I going to have anything to offer? I hope I do. And so in January, the group leave the cold Irish winter for the tropical sun of the Gambia and arrive in the capital city of Banjul, bringing with them a combined 500 years of teaching experience. You may be familiar with the Gambia from Alex Haley's famous novel and TV series, Roots. It was a British colony until its independence in 1965. It's the smallest country on the African mainland, about 50 kilometres wide and 300 kilometres long. Six hours from Europe by air, it's surrounded on three sides by Senegal and has a small coastline on the Atlantic Ocean. About half of its 1.7 million population live below the poverty line of one US dollar per day. It's called the smiling coast of Africa. Lovely people, people are so friendly, so open and so welcoming and uh, meet you in the street and will want to know where you're from and want to chat you up. It's 95% Muslim and as a consequence of that, 95% of the school kids are Muslim, 95% of the teachers are Muslim and uh, most men will have two wives and two families. So the average family is about 10. Uh, That is an established tradition. The agriculture is very basic. It's groundnuts and they're exported. Uh, there's some fishing done, and uh, they don't realise with this. Look, they don't have any natural resources in the sense of gold, oil, or anything like that. So consequently, the Western powers are not particularly interested in Gambia. And obviously then its economy has languished. Tourism is a large source of income for the country. And in recent years, the Gambia has become a popular holiday destination for Northern Europeans seeking winter sun. The volunteers are staying in self-catering accommodation in Kotu Beach, 15 kilometres outside the capital. Before starting their work, they have a few days to get settled in. 
get up in the morning and see the beautiful sky and the magnificent beach and the tropical surroundings. All the coming and going, people are constantly on the move. It's the combination of colour and sound and smells and just the, the brightness is magnificent. And I suppose it is a little bit like you see in the films and now your experience is for real and it's, uh, it's lovely. The retired teachers are not only giving their time, but are funding the trip themselves at a cost of €4,000. They will be involved in three different projects. Some will be mentoring trainee primary school teachers within the classroom. A second group will work in the area of nursery education. And the third will help out in skill centres for early school leavers. Now we've arrived at St Peter's Lower Basic School here in the Gambia. Uh, Lower Basic School is a primary school and this school here has 2,000, over 2,000 pupils and this is uh, one of the biggest schools in the Gambia as such. It's Kieran Black's second year of volunteering with GIVE. Twelve months ago I arrived here from Ireland uh, as a result of an advertisement that I saw in the Retired Teachers magazine, Konas met Joe, met the other teachers who were coming out here, and we arrived here 12 months ago. We were dropped off at our various schools, and I stood in the yard as I entered through the gate and said to myself, what am I doing here? And then I was introduced to the principal, Edward Thalia, a very kind man, a very efficient principal, and he welcomed me most heartily. Headmaster, we're the headmaster now. Do you remember when I came to your school this day last year, I said to you that I was retired from teaching. I retired at 55 years of age. What did you say to me? We are going up to 60. He was all set to retire at 55 years of age. And he got the bad news. That it is going up to 60 now. And uh, again, you told me presently in Ireland it goes up to 65. Yes, but you can retire at 55. But you can retire, yes. And what did I tell you I did? You picked up the money and ran. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you would like to welcome your, your colleagues who have just come to the Gambia. Um, have a nice day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Out in the schoolyard, the children see the new faces and shout Tubab, which is what the Gambians call white people. One theory is that the word comes from the old colonial custom of paying messengers two bob or two shillings for their work. Here in the schools, they face huge challenges, with class size averaging 45 pupils. Resources are extremely limited not to mention the condition of the school buildings themselves. In most schools in Ireland, there's just a yard, Cam Academy yard. Here, it's completely different. The whole place is covered in sand. And so, classrooms, there is no glass in the windows, so it's open windows. 
and the doors are always open again. The heat is so, so intense here that you have to leave the classroom doors open. Desks meant for two may have to accommodate three or four pupils. Classroom walls are unpainted and the blackboards are in poor condition. Many schools have no electricity. Some are lucky enough to have toilets. Others have to make do with holes in the ground. Uh, when I started teaching first in 1969, it was a matter of chalk and talk. And that's what I'm back to now here again in, in the Gambia. Teachers are teachers, we cope with what we've got. The so resources wouldn't be great, but they make do with what they actually have. They have the fundamental books that are needed for learning, etc., but they would not have the same modern equipment, modern technology that schools in Western Europe would have. Everybody happy? Hey. We got lunch, Jim. Week one went very, very well. Jim Henry is looking after logistics for the group and is keeping a diary of the trip. We had eight of our members in four different schools and all of these were mentoring the student teachers. They had varying experiences with these teachers, some very good, some not too good. But at the end of the week, they were satisfied that with the teachers they had, they were making some progress with them. So that was week one. Uh, Everything went very, very well. And we had no mishaps, thanks be to God. There are lots of Irish connections with education in the Gambia. Irish missionaries have set up and run many schools there over the years. Another link is through the INTO Credit Union, who helped establish a Gambian Teachers Credit Union in 2008. Babakar Juf worked as a teacher before becoming general manager at the Gambian Teachers Credit Union. He explains that good progress has been made in terms of access to schooling since the introduction of free primary education in 1997. Free primary education was introduced during the the previous government, but then the problem was even whereas uh, it was considered free for for people, it was not accessible. So when the new government um, took over some 17, 18 years ago, they made access their top priority. And um, they have addressed this because schools are all over the country now. There is no child required to travel more than three kilometers to access a primary school. So free primary education has actually led to uh, the population becoming a young literate population. The average to elderly people would have the significant proportion of them not being able to read and write. But the young generation, in the past 10-15 years, every child of school-going age had the opportunity to go to school. As well as breaking the cycle of illiteracy, increased access to primary school has led to more students completing second level and moving on to third level institutions, such as the University of the Gambia, which was founded in 1999. 
a lot of people have also moved on from the lower levels to secondary schools and now college and tertiary institutions, the university introduced. So we are feeling the university. In fact, all this in the past would not have been possible. The few who had opportunities then to go to high school were probably going to the sub-region for their university education. Now we have a university, but we are feeding the university from the, the, the Gambian population, which is a great um, achievement. But what you see in the population is the level of awareness in terms of what diseases are, how to avoid them. All this education is coming as a result of the level of education that people have achieved and attained because they went to school. Access has been addressed. The next issue is quality. Government started addressing the issue of quality in, in this access. It's not only going to school, it's not only about having a school to go to, but what the school is giving to the population in terms of education. You know, it's now they are concerned and they are trying to address this through several policies. Um, there are so many interventions by the World Bank, the IMF and other, you know, um, international um, bodies um, to, to help support government to bring in this other aspect which will complete the, the, the jigsaw. Give hopes to help in the area of quality by offering mentorship to student teachers starting out in their career. The process is... The fishing village. So, but before we go on with the passage proper, we have some words on the blackboard that um, we might not be familiar with. My name is Charlotte May. I retired three years ago. I took early retirement. We're going to match the sentence. We're visiting uh, the schools in classrooms where there's trainee teachers and uh, trying to help them with preparation and with class management and in teaching of literacy and numeracy. I am going to introduce this here. Yes, I'm going to introduce this, uh, this, this sentence to you. And she is going to help you to work with the words. While English is the official language of the Gambia and the language of education, tribal languages such as Wolof and Mandinka are used in homes and in general conversation between Gambians. This is yet another challenge in the classroom, where most children are learning English for the first time. Did you ever eat smoked fish? Yes, they yes. make grown soup. Yes? In local language, they call him Kobublaka. He's saying the local yes. name for smoked fish. Smoked fish. Fish yes. that has already been smoked. Yes. Then we, in, in our local language, yes. in Mandinka is called Chalsimbo. So they understand He's, what I'm yeah, talking about? Yes, yes. But he is saying it in Wolof, yes. and he is saying it in Mandinka. Because ah, right. so. I, I don't understand the language, Mandinka or Wolof. So thank you very much, boys. Another week over... During the weekends, the volunteers have time to explore more of the country. And once you step outside of the tourist area, the poverty is visible. A place of concrete and corrugated tin, dust and potholes. The majority of villages have no electricity or a piped water supply. The first trip that we went on was up to uh, Kenti country, up to St James Island. 
and were taken right across the country. Now, that was a revelation because I couldn't believe the uh, poverty uh, or seeming poverty of the homes that the people live in and the way the children would run out and race after you, hoping that you had some sweets for them, which we didn't have on our initial journey up. But as we came back, our guide did have sweets and he threw them out to the children and they ran like hares to catch them. I felt that whole area was uh, the real uh, Africa of my preconception, I suppose. It was just just incredible to believe that people live like that and at the same time appear to be very dignified and clean. They come out of shacks and compounds and places where there's nothing, only dust and dirt, and still they appear to be very clean. And the children are very sociable, and the people are very sociable. The children are particularly sociable, and they come up and they smile and they shake hands. And these people are only taught by one another. They don't have an outside influence that would bring in European standards or anything like that. But to some extent they have this dignity and this um, natural ability to to speak to strangers and to welcome them. Testing one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. Saturday morning, half past ten. The sun is shining. You can hear the wind in the trees outside, overlooking the sea at Bungalow Beach. Many people would have the idea of volunteering in Africa, but might not like to travel alone. Here the group provide a support system for each other. As well as that, it's not just work. It's a working holiday. With our system here that we have, we stay in the Bungalow Beach Hotel. We go into the uh, people inside in uh, Banjul and Saraconda and all of the other places and we come back out because we are of a certain age that we uh, would not be able to live there all the time uh, in the conditions that they live with the dust and the smoke and all the rest of it. So we have a very good balance between work and play at this stage in our lives. Were you down to the pool? I was, yes. I go down onto the beach. I know you do, yeah, but you're every, everybody for what they like. The, the actual setup in the bungalow beach is something else for us. Along this balcony now, there are about, I think there's six of us, and that means that we give each other enough space and all the rest of it. But if you want someone to walk with you, you just wander down and someone will walk. If you want someone to swim, there's always someone to swim. If you want someone to eat out with you, there's always someone to eat out. So it's lovely and casual, but as you're walking down along the balcony, you'll stop to talk to Ina or Mary or whoever. So from that angle, it is very safe as well as everything else. This is a nice group. You know, they want to work and they're quite serious, but they... Don't don't frown on the on the crack either. <laughs> Week three and we're back in the classroom. Teaching is a labour of love for the volunteers who have travelled to the Gambia to do this work. It's also a labour of love for the Gambian teachers who have very poor pay and conditions to contend with. The rapid increase in school enrolment has created serious gaps in the qualified teacher supply. 
This led to the introduction of a crash programme to boost teacher numbers. After just one year in the Gambia College, trainees go for two years teaching practice before they are qualified. The amount of time teacher trainees spend on campus is reduced to one year. When I went to college, it was two years. Then you had a year out on teaching practice. Now you spend one year on campus and two years on distance learning. Now, whilst they are away, the amount of monitoring that is being done is definitely not adequate for, you know, the the requirements and all that to help these young teachers, you know, receive that, that grooming that they need to become competent and very resourceful teachers. So give... Um, the, the, the coming of the retired teachers is one way we can beef up, in other words, close the gap, the vacuum that is being left by inadequate monitoring by the tutors at the college could be filled by gift. Fira Whelan is mentoring in St. Teresa's School, where there are over 3,000 pupils. Like many schools in the Gambia, where there is a shortage of classrooms, it operates on a double shift system whereby one group of pupils and teachers use the school in the morning and a second set use the same building in the afternoon. We're looking at uh, phonics and uh, Awa is going to do the lesson and then I will add on a little bit extra to give her an idea, a new idea. Now, who can remember the last letter sound we did? The last letter sound we did. Who can remember the Awasane. I am a teacher at St. Teresa's Lower Basic School in the Gambia. Uh, I am a student from the Gambia College and I posted in St. Teresa's for taking practice, taking grade one, and they are six, seven, eight years old. Yes. And then I am posted here on taking practice for a period of two years, and, and I am now in my third year, and then by next April, I'll be sitting for my final exams. The student teachers continue training at the weekends and during school holidays. While in the college, you're always given a distance learning education with 20 modules that you have to do and submit at the end of every three months. It's a challenging area because it's about 50 to 54 children in a class and it's very difficult to control all the students because they're all from different backgrounds, different homes. It's very difficult to control them at once. Anyway, to me, I like children. This why when I completed my secondary level, I choose taking as a professor. And I would like to be a teacher for the rest of my life because I love children. You ready? You all have to listen very carefully. Okay, so I'm going to show you something new. It's important that it's mentoring rather than monitoring. So we explain that to the teachers, and that's quite important to get clear to them. We're there to be by their side to help. Help them, for example, to manage a class by starting with how do you actually get people sitting down and how do you get people organised moving around the class. That type of simple stuff has to be organised with a young teacher 
who has, has never had any experience before and has only one year of theoretical training behind them. Some youngsters have taken to it very, very well. They have showed great promise. And uh, the mentoring that we're giving is based on teachers who've gone through the system, bringing their experience to tell and could help out in so many ways by prompting, by suggesting, by also helping them plan their courses, which is quite important. The obvious thing to do, for example, in a large class is have them all writing, writing, writing. The young teachers feel that helps to keep the class quiet, but in fact, it's leaving an awful lot out. That's how to organise, say, group teaching. That can be done even with large numbers. Uh, the other thing would be the development of oral work. That's totally neglected as well, because if you have oral work going on in the class, you must have great control. And having great control for a young teacher often means shouting a lot, which will not last. Somebody will not last shouting all day. At the same time, it must be difficult to have a stranger working alongside you, looking over your shoulder. 21-year-old Landing Marnay is on his first year of teaching practice. No, no, no. It, it's, a good, it's a great experience. We get, you know, every day when they come into the class, we get a lot of knowledge from them because they always rectify us in so many places, you know. Yes, and they are very encouraging and very helpful. They are very helpful to us. They also learn from me and we also learn from them. It's great to see them here. It's very great. We are happy about them. How do you get it is? Good, good. But it's all very positive and very... Ah, so they're loving, so they Following week then, in the lower basic schools, the mentoring continued the same, the same teams in the same schools. Secondly, then we have our in-service training group, and they were with the nursery teachers. And most of these teachers are untrained, so they were doing in-service with them Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then going out to the schools to see what was actually happening in practice. Mary, what's happening today? Well, today we're heading up to Buyam, where we're giving a workshop to 23 teachers. And um, we've put together a good programme, I hope, and it's been developing every week, week by week. So this is our fourth week. You had a few bottles like this. What would you use them for in the class? Just to share ideas. For oral English. For we can use them for oral English, for yes. Mary, Margaret, Joan and Anne put together a three-day course which they delivered to different groups over the six weeks. We are very aware ourselves of the role of play at nursery level in our part of the world, but how difficult it is for teachers here to offer that same experience to the children. So we were stressing the act of learning and playfulness, and that's a term we've used to try and bring a bit of fun into the classrooms. And you can use all kinds of little games and songs and music just to know that it's all right to use these in the class and actually they're wonderful teaching tools. We had six, not three days. We're taking away three. Six take away three. How many are left? Three. 
when we went in, I suppose, really, the first few days, we weren't um, quite sure what they needed. But as, as time went on, it became very much apparent that um, they didn't have much resources or even, in fact, any way of making them, really, because they didn't have the equipment or the materials. So what we tried to do was use as much of the local stuff that was available for them that they could go on themselves and use afterwards. So we made quite a lot of maths equipment as well with them and they actually all went home with a fair bit of materials and resources at the end of it. The bottles and cans, it was just a, a fun activity and that's what we've tried to do all all the week really is to try and give some specific theory and then turn it around to give some practical fun activities because we know that that's what the children really really needed and that's what the teachers needed to develop. And another very positive thing that we didn't realise when we were starting out is that the teachers that we have worked with will take what they learned to other nursery teachers in their area and share their new learning and their new knowledge with them. So that was a very welcome kind of knock-on effect. So hopefully the ripple will spread and down the road that there will be a lot learned and um, that there will be a good outcome for all the children that will be touched by the teachers that we met. Very, very. Good morning, Jane. It's a beautiful morning in the Gambia. We're all lined up here as we wait for the, the cars to arrive to take us to our various destinations. We're enthusiastic, as always, and just very familiar ground now, having been here. This is our fifth week. Um, I'm out with Kieran in the Skills Centre. We're trying not to sing too much and to pay attention to more serious things, but it's always a good day out there, and, you know, we do our best, and it's very appreciated, I think. Education for girls in the Gambia has come a long way in recent years. In the past, it was the boys who were sent to school, with girls marrying early, working on the farm and taking care of the home. Taking the attitude that if girls are left behind, development will be left behind, the government has put in place incentives for girls to stay in school longer. However, there are still those who have missed out, and skill centres aim to fill this gap. The skill centre is a centre for girls in the age group 17, 18, 19, 20 who have lost out in some part of their education. They might not have fulfilled the full secondary course, as we would say in Ireland. So they come here to further their education, to pick up on the pieces that they lost out in. And at the skill centre, they study typing, sewing, crafts, computers, maths and English. And it is in the English department that I teach. Now, if you look at that word, teaches again, it's the same from the other page. He comes, he lives, she teaches. What tense is it? Past tense. Present. Present tense. She's still doing it. She's yes, teaching. teaching. That's our present tense. Like last year, here's a hard question for you. She teaches every year at the university. Last year, what did she do? Every year she teaches, but last year she... Teach. Not teach the hard one or... Yeah? Taught. She taught. T-A-U-G-H. It's a hard one. That's she taught. So she teaches Kieran's a... story differs from the other retired teachers. Following last year's six-week trip, he returned to the Gambia in October to continue his work at St. Peter's and has been there since. 
It's a true cultural exchange, with Kieran learning the local language. How did you wake up today? And the children learning Irish songs. I am learning as much from them as hopefully they are learning from me. I learn about their culture, their traditions, and in return I teach them English and also teach them about our own country and teach them about the world. So it is a very, very good experience, uh, one which I'm enjoying thoroughly. And I look forward to coming back out here to the Gambia for many years to come. As a small developing country, the Gambia is grappling with many challenges. Quality education is key to the country's development. And it's in this area that the retired teachers hope to make a contribution. Give is a very, 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 very appropriate intervention in my view. Gambia being a developing country, in comparative terms, Ireland has a lot to give to Gambia. If you have a group of retired teachers who have six weeks of their time that they want to share their 30 to 30 something years teaching experience in Ireland, all that can do is increase the pool of knowledge that we have, bringing in the, the new tricks, the new issues, the new trends from the West and blending them with what we have so that that will help accelerate our pace in education sector development. My colleagues and I, hopefully we have made some improvement. We've hopefully improved the lives of our students here. We've taught them a little bit more than perhaps they might not have learned. And this is very, very important for us that we continue this project now into the future. Because as teachers, we teach all our lives. We don't stop teaching. We might retire from the payroll, but we do not retire from teaching. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 